The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With the next generation GMC Sierra, Canyon, and Sierra Heavy Duty, we couldn't agree more. Whether you choose to have the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate available on the next generation 2019 GMC Sierra SLT, AT4, and Denali models to confidently take on heavy loads with the available 6.6-liter V8 Duramax turbo diesel in the GMC Sierra Heavy Duty, or to get behind the wheel of the only mid-size premium pickup on the road, the GMC Canyon, you'll realize all three help you do one thing go professional grade step up to gmc and current eligible gm owners get 20 percent below msrp on next generation 2019 gmc sierra double cab and sle crew cab models with a traditional tailgate we are professional grade gmc must be a current owner lessee of a 2005 model year or newer gm vehicle for at least 30 days prior to the new vehicle sale offer includes price reduction below msrp and purchase allowance not available with special financing lease and some other offers take retail delivery by 9 30 19 see participating dealer for details Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. We're sitting here uh, last night at the PGA Show with some great folks, I'm gonna introduce everybody. Wayne Flint to my left, Cordy Walker, co-host, Dr. Greg Carton, GC3 on Twitter. I like to give him a shout out, he needs some followers. Luke Cardenine from Golf Magazine, Wade Hamilton, we call him the Ocho, because he's number eight in Alabama now. And hold on, Baden Schaff from Skillist, right? Mike Granado and Sean Webb from Athletic Motion Golf. Everybody's seen them on, uh, that's like where I look up shit when I'm stumped in a lesson. <laughs> and I, so I always tell people like, something will happen on the swing catalyst and the guy will be like, hey, what, what happened there? I go, man, I gotta take a piss, I'll be right back. <laughs> and I, you know, I go in there and I dial up, I do, I dial up, I dial up Athletic Motion Golf and I look at it and I come back and I go, well, hold on, here's what we're gonna do for some extra speed. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding, Wade does it too. <laughs> <laughs> right? So anyway, so I thought with all the technology and all the stuff going on, don't forget Easy. We got Easy back there. We may get him to chime I in. I think you mentioned me. I'm sitting right next to you. <laughs> oh. oh no. Debbie Doniger, Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher and one of my favorite teachers in the entire world. Thanks, dude. Absolutely. Hey, keep it real. That was good, yeah. That was good. That was a yeah. good recovery. And, and everybody's surprised I've been married four times. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> So anyways, I thought we'd kind of go around here. We're not going to ramble on forever, but uh, I thought we'd talk about what the biggest influences on each of our teaching have been, uh, you know, or Greg, not, I mean, obviously not teaching, but mental coaching and life coaching as you've kind of assumed that role for me. Um, but uh, we just talk about those influences and talk about them. And I thought that'd be a pretty good topic. You guys good with that? So I, um, you kick it off. All right. I'll, for me, it's hard to believe when you look at me, but the biggest influence for me has been the work that I've gotten to do um, with all our programs, whether they're at Frederica or Mobile or whatever, with Colby Touye on the fitness side. And not necessarily, uh, but understanding how the body affects what it, what it does and really working with him with tour players and junior players and college players and him giving exercises and different things that have enabled some of my players to do things that we were working on better. 
And so, like, I'll be honest, like, my upbringing with Wayne and uh, huge influence, but Hank, like, I mean, you know, we kind of, I learned the things that I looked for in a golf swing, but I know 100% there were times coming up where I would work with somebody and they couldn't do it. Working with, working with Colby has been a huge, huge piece of my puzzle as far as helping. I think I've grown as a teacher and I also think I've really grown in the ability to help all levels of players, but, but especially, you know, some of my better players, been able to make them better. Is there something that you can kind of point to, one thing specific that, that sticks out or keeps coming up? I, I think I always assume that really good players were just really good physically, just because they were good, right? And so I'll use Lucas as an example, but like working on him, getting to turn him into his right heel and his right hip to be able to hit a draw and how he couldn't do that all the time because he wasn't, what he was working on in the gym and the things he was doing, you know, he wasn't, like he looked plenty fit, like he's a plenty fit guy, right? And like, you'd look at him and you'd be like, man, that guy's in good shape. But then you'd watch it, but then they'd do stuff to him and he couldn't do some of the most, ba the first thing I asked him to do, Colby, Colby said to me like, hey, have him stand on one leg, just his right leg, hold a club across his chest and just make a rear uh, backswing pivot. And like he couldn't do it without wobbling and falling all over the place. I mean, this guy's, you know, what top hundred player in the world. And so like, I was like, well, shit, that's not good. I mean, I can do that. <laughs> So, you know, so that was like, so that. If <laughs> <laughs> you notice, we're not getting wave the microphone tonight. So anyways, but um, anyways, so that, that, that's a good example though, right? Like, is yeah. it, and I think we all assume that great players yeah. or good players, or even a guy or a girl that walks into our golf course and is in shape, is like golf fit, like able physically to do some of the things or good enough at some of the things we ask them to do. I like, about you, Deb? I like it. Uh, influences? Yeah. So I would say in the last, I'm going to give you five years because I branched out of my main uh, mentor, McLean. So I would say Mike Adams. I've known him since I'm 17, but, but getting back with him and working with him on learning, um, sort of putting the puzzle pieces together, like what Tony was talking about. So just the physical structures, measuring, um, you know, there's, there's, I guess, liberal openness within that. So it just gives me a framework that I wasn't really doing um, before. And then my relationship with Ben Shear, who's your Colby. Um, just the evaluations, learning what the body. It's like a northern Colby, they just. Yeah, right. <laughs> like what the body. Yeah. No, he's from Jersey. Oh, my bad. It's yeah. like that's. I mean, they actually speak kind of similar language. But it's just like what the body literally. Yeah, can and can't do. And like you said, I mean, I've taken D1 players there. There, there are certain things they can't do, and it could be mobility, stability. It could be strength, and then the sexier stuff, which is speed and power, which is so imperative at that level. So marrying uh, the teaching aspect with the fitness aspect, to me, has also been insurmountable. But in terms of like um, a golf IQ standpoint, also the how the muscles activate not activate you know where are the dysfunctions coming from and then you know if you have somebody who's really good and unique why does that work and what are you going to do in the gym to give them that little edge and it may not be in the gym it may be sleep it may be tracking you know other things from a holistic point of view to make your players great 
So probably Mike and Ben. Oh, and then you and I talk about it all the time. Like I just watched uh, Bender two days ago, which was really cool, mm -hmm. you know, just to communicate, yeah, the message a little bit differently. It's mm -hmm. different stuff. Um, you know, when you and I go and watch Butch, how simple to keep it. The work with Swing Cat, I think, has been incredible, right? Learning all those, to be able to measure the forces so we don't have to guess uh, the timing of them, which you guys look at all the time. How yeah. crucial is that? Yeah. Maybe not at the magnitude, but also the timing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, let me think of some other teachers. They're great teachers, all on our list, like Gilchrist, awesome. So Luke, what's, but you see teaching from a different perspective. You see us, all us idiots, right? <laughs> and everybody texts you and emails you all the time, wanting time with you and stuff. But like over the last few years, as you've been involved in this, like what are some things that you've seen that either changed your mind or influences or things you thought were cool, different, whatever? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I'm not a teacher. I don't want to be. I could butcher a swing if you really wanted me to, but... Uh, You've had plenty of people come through the office and do that, <laughs> I'm sure. I got butchered a swing in my time, won't Tony. Talk about <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I'm not a teacher. I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist who loves golf, and I have since I was really young. And honestly, when I think about... And a great, really good player, so it's an interesting yes. perspective. I'm okay. Um, but I think, uh, honestly, like, the biggest influences on my sort of career that has now led to golf journalism have been the books I read growing up. I mean, I used to, Golf Digest was my first job out of grad school and I grew up reading Golf Digest. It was amazing. Same with Golf Magazine, where I am now. I used to just, it was the Bible to me, those two magazines that I read sort of simultaneously, side by side. I absolutely loved them. You know, Tiger Woods's book, Faldo, A Swing for Life, Hogan's book. Uh, I remember when the Stack and Tilt Golf Digest cover story came out. My mind was absolutely blown by it. And it's, it really is stuff like that that sort of sticks with me and is what drives me to make like golf magazine and golf.com's instruction content so good. I'm not trying to uh, do anything other than just help relay your guys' philosophy like as best I can, as clear I, as I can to the guy on the other end who's really just like me, you know, he's a, uh, you, you know, he's 12 handicap or so, love, but just loves golf and he's playing with his buddies tomorrow and his, and his goal is to beat them. Um, and so my job is really just to connect your ideas with that guy or girl on the other end. Um, and so when I think about how best to do that, I always go back to the books that I read growing up. And it's something I'd actually really love to hear uh, from you guys. Like, what were some of those like texts that you read um, as you were really sort of forming your uh, yeah, coaching be, philosophy? Be lessons from the legends by the Jewish <laughs> 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 I mean, I have a signed copy of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I can write too, <laughs> print. Greg, well, let's go to you, and then I'm gonna have another question a little bit too. I'm gonna phrase for Wayne and uh, for Wade. The best piece of advice I ever got was the first day I started my grad program. My advisor, um, who's still a very close friend of mine, said, "Everyone's going to want to get out of this program and help and save the world and solve everyone's problems." And she said, "You're not gonna learn how to do that here. You're gonna learn how to listen," and that's what we learned through 12 years of grad school is how to listen to people. And I think whether it's players that play at the highest level or it's 12 handicappers or it's whoever, people just want to be heard. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told how to think. They don't want to be told anything. They just want to be heard. 
women, right? <laughs> so, and I think just, and that makes so much sense to me, and it's, it's really, it's difficult, but 95% of what I do is, I don't let the cat out of the bag, it's just listening to what people have to say. And telling someone what to think or how to think is going to just cause them more pain and resistance and thinking that they're doing something wrong. So listening to what they have to say and validating what they have to say is really important. I learned that day one in my grad school program. So it's not as sexy as what everyone else is talking about, but it's it, it's really important. It's, it's helped shape my work now. Still, so, Wade, I'm going to go to Wade for a question. Yeah. So, Wade, you and, and so we got different people with like you. We got you that's a shrink we've got sean and mike who obviously teach day to day but have the best i think the best social media internet site um out there for learning you got debbie that everybody teaches right but like you're at a you're at a club and you don't really teach outside members and i think one of the things that's cool for you is because i've been up there and i've watched and i've taught alongside you and we've known each other for a long time that's some people don't think that's good, but, um, but, uh, like how, but no, we don't want to name them, but, but how, like with members, like sometimes keeping it simple and making them have a good time and giving them one or two things to go to the golf course to play better is good for, you have to, for, you know, for a member, like some, cause sometimes everybody gets caught up in giving them all kinds of crazy shit. Right, but making a, but making your member at your club, uh, and it, it is important. Yeah, it, you're right. I, I mean, I have a different perspective. I, you know, being a club pro, I, I do tournaments and a bunch of other stuff, and teaching's part of it, and I enjoy doing it. Um, but I'll be honest with you. Um, probably like a lot of a lot of club pros that are at this PGA show. I mean, they go out there and they're scared. And then what they want to do is spew out information to prove that they know what they're talking about. And the smartest thing they can do, which I've learned watching you and Wayne and, and Woody and all the guys, is go back to the basics and try and help people play better. And by doing that, I mean, you can focus on their grip. You make sure they're pointed the right way. You, you work on their alignment. You work on their posture. I mean, basic stuff, it, you know, most club pros do a lot of different things, and the last thing they need to do is is start talking about D-plane, which I don't know what that means, by the way. <laughs> if y'all could tell me after this session, if y'all could explain that after this session, I'd appreciate it. But uh, but no, I mean, you, you, can, you can help 90% of the people, because like you said, they're mostly six to 15 handicappers and ladies who just want to figure out how to hit a bunker shot and get it out of the bunker. I mean, you just, you put their hands on the club correctly, you get them pointed the right way, and you can help a lot of people. And, and at the end of the day, if you can help them enjoy the game, they play more, they don't give up the game and start playing pickleball or tennis. And uh, I, I think too many times people overcomplicate things when they should just focus on fundamentals. Because those don't change. Wayne, that's awesome. That's great perspective from a club pro. Wayne, what you know, are your influences? Think, you know, being more of a little bit of an old school guy, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had all the VHS tapes and all that stuff when I first started. Now it's obviously come a lot further than that with computers and the, and the trackmans and the swing catalysts and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the thing that I've, I've noticed over the last, say, five, six, eight years of my life that, um, you know, I've 
got a swing catalyst because uh, Tony had one, and we taught on it a bunch, and I saw the value in that. I was always a big footwork teacher. I thought it was really, really important when footwork wasn't cool, um, and I was I always thought it was pretty important. And and then when I saw that thing, I said, man, I got to get one of those because it's validating what I've been saying for the last 10 years, you know, or 20 years, whatever. And, you know, to have the ability to see exactly what's happening with a person's feet and exactly what, what the pressure's doing against the ground and what their body's doing. And, you know, I watch Mike and Sean and I see all their stuff that they put out and it's, you know, all their research and is fantastic. And, 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 and I mean, you know, I, I, I watch that stuff and it, it, you know, it, it, sometimes you find something you say, well, I'm probably wrong on that one, but you know, a lot of times you find stuff that validates what you're doing and, and when you're wrong, you need to admit you're wrong and say, Hey, you need to learn something from it and, and make your teaching better. And that's what I've tried to do. And, you know, I've, I've used technology back to the pickle, Tony. I mean, I um, you know, I've, I've tried, to, I've always tried to have the best technology that I could afford to buy. And, 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 and I think that's really, really important. And, and I think it's great to see the social media aspect of it where people can see that information. I think they can learn something about it. Hopefully they bring it to the teacher and say, what do you know about this? And, and the teacher should know something about that. You know, I mean, he should be, you know, up to date and he should know what he's talking about. If he doesn't, then they probably need to go find another teacher. You know, I mean, they should know a little bit about what's going on against the ground. They should know a little bit about what a track man does. You know, those kinds of things are important and it's, it's not going away. That's for sure. And, and, uh, it's not going to do anything but help people. Now, I still think there's a time and a place to put grips on the club, and 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 I th I do that every day. I mean, there's not a lesson that I give that I, I think don't. More people need to be beginning teachers need to be willing to jump oh, in I, there and put a damn grip. I on I don't there. think there's any Instead doubt. Of looking at wrist angles and a bunch of bullshit until that when they don't have a grip. That's, I mean, you got so many people. You got so many people that read all that stuff and they're worried about. They're worried about pressure which is great right we all do with it or they're worried about wrist angles they're worried about all this shit and i mean and the guys grip screwed up and like and the face is man like 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 you said start with the basics like you should tony for what it's worth on that point the most popular instruction content is about the grip really without fail is the most is the thing that gets clicked on the most is the stuff that gets reacted to the most i would be willing to bet too that if you had some kind of way to know what the average teacher that starting out goes and teaches, I would bet you the grip is way down the list Absolutely. of things they focus because they're all screwed up. Absolutely. Well, you go that, first. You've seen that yeah. change in the way. Yeah, and then I want to get to what things that Baden has seen in Australia because they're upside down over About there and the it's got to be something different. We hold this one. So just to that point about um, starting with the grip, you know, we, Mike and I like to talk about putting first things first. And uh, we have a membership site with, I don't know, over a thousand members in there. And they're allowed to post their swing in the Facebook forum. So we are allowed to take a look at their swing and we give them some feedback. And nine times out of 10, they're worried about something on the downswing and we send them back to the setup, right? I mean, we, man, we call it checkpoint one, right? The checkpoint one for us is the setup and the grip. And once they get through that, then they're allowed to move so forward. So I have a question for you guys, because yeah. you guys do a lot of internet stuff. Yeah. So She's taking over the podcast. Sorry. But, and to Luke's point, one thing would be the teachers might be, like you said, afraid to change a grip. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, a lot of guys. Right, because you don't want the that. student to get worse. Two, with, right, with Mike Adams, there's some grip tests, which I thought was really cool to see. And I use them, like your right hand. Everybody knows different grips work mm -hmm. for yeah. different matchups. Mm -hmm. But for you guys with internet lessons. There's parameters your grips should be. A hundred percent. They shouldn't right. be like so this. So do you guys see the ball flight, or what do you work off of, given that you're seeing somebody, you can't measure them. Right. How do you know or what do you do in order to change a grip? I mean, how does that work over the internet? Once, yeah, so we get the starting point, like almost like an interview, where you hit it on the face, what's the ball doing? And from there, we have them send us a video of them putting their hands on the club. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we make an assessment from that. Is it too palmy in the left hand? Is the right hand too weak, too strong? So they're very specific and send it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. If they don't, we make them send it again. If they don't, we make them send it again. Mm -hmm. And then from there, if that looks like something that's functional within our windows, we have them move on to the posture, set up, but we never move on to the swing mm -hmm. until they get that right. And a lot of times, obviously, that improves the motion from there, so I think um, you know we can't discount the grip and the setup, just like we've been saying. Maiden, what have you? What some influence things that happened down under? Yeah, thanks. So um, I mean, for me, the the biggest influence was my first lesson that I ever got. Who was never? I only got two lessons off that coach ever, but absolutely, probably, I won't say he's the biggest because someone absolutely was the biggest. But as soon as I had that first golf lesson, I just turned to him and said, "Okay, I'm doing this for the rest of my life." And I pretty much, at the age of you know 16, 17, said, "I don't ever want to play. I just want to get amazing at helping people and understanding cause and effect, and and also figuring out my own game and my own action as well." So the, I'd say the first coach was the most. Uh, second most influential, the most influential was someone that probably none of you know because he's a very, very quiet and humble guy, but his players have won more than $80 million globally on tour and his name's Gary Edwin. And Gary has taught um, Peter Lonard, Rod Pampling, Michael Campbell, um, uh, Paul Gow. Uh, yeah, so, and this is like literally a very, very humble guy, super genius, who lived in... Um, on the Gold Coast in Queensland, never promoted anything, never did anything, literally just sat at this driving range and produced worldwide superstars everywhere. And he, after spending literally a week with him, I realised he was a genius and pretty much every day since then I've I've, I've worked with him sort of thing so and that was almost 20 years ago sort of thing so yeah so he was the most influential but what it's also done I suppose because he teaches the opposite of pretty much what's being taught at the moment right so um, well he's very minimalistic in what he believes in what he in what he sees so he's all about cause and effect he's all about setup um, understanding sequence and what causes what rather than because the thing I, I think the big danger in measuring things is that you don't know if you're actually measuring something that's going wrong or are you measuring something that's right so he's amazing at understanding cause and effect and seeing it before it's all often seeing it before it's all happening. And um, yeah, so he's been amazing. But because he teaches so differently to everyone, it, it allowed me, and because we live on the other side of the planet, it also made me acutely aware that everyone teaches so differently from each other, which was sort of the genesis also for the platform we've created, which is Skillist, which is allowing everyone to teach their own way. And then hopefully students can find the person that teaches perfectly for them. That's awesome. We're gonna get back to Skillist in a minute. Yeah. Mike? Your influence, what do you, tell us a little. I would think the, probably that, the biggest. I may write some of this down so yeah. I can use it in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go to the bathroom. Right. 
I would say probably the biggest influence for us since we started AMG was the ability to measure and measure good players so we can get a feel mm. for what they do right yeah. compared to, you know, we always say if you, if you see a good player or a good group of players that do X and the golfer that comes in every day is doing Y, it's probably something to pay attention to, like why they're doing it the complete opposite. And, mm -hmm. you know, the game has been taught really well for a long time, like way before any social media, internet or anything. And golfers have been playing good for a long time. Now we can measure kind of that cause and effect of why that happens. And, you know, I think we all try to get golfers to improve their miss. I think the technology improves our miss. Mm -hmm. Right, we don't guess near as much as we did yeah, before we were able to measure, mm -hmm. and we can kind of hone in faster, and we know when we're going off course faster. So I think having having that ability, that kind of backing of the technology, to to narrow our miss, and then being around such good-minded, experienced golfers like you guys, teachers, and then you know like Scott Hamilton's one of our big influences, and then be able to call Scott Hamilton, ask him a question and David Tom's the next question. You're getting pretty good information from both sides of yeah, the equation. Yeah. And then you compare that with the data. And if we're halfway decent, we should be able to come to a fairly decent conclusion after that for David, the regular guy. What is the most mind-blowing thing? I've been in golf my whole life. You have too, Sean. I know you came in a little bit later, Mike. What's the most mind-blowing thing that Gears has taught you, shown you that all of us at this table who've been teaching for a lot of years wouldn't would be blown away by it. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I would say for us, it's average golfers do a lot of the right things. They do them at completely different times. So I think when the right things happen or the good things happen compared to regular golfers, I think is probably one of the biggest things that we can teach golfers. It's just hard to measure video. When they move away from the ball, when they move towards the ball, when they move away from the target towards the target is hugely important I've for the shape of the swing. I've got one based on that. Okay, go. I don't think too many people understood that at the top of the swing, the pressure's moving already towards 50-50. For years, it was taught that you want to load everything up on the right foot at the top of the swing. It just doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. So I know that, I'm sure you were taught to load everything up on the right foot at the top of the swing. That was, yeah. And we're, and we're seeing recentering happening as the club gets here. The body and the pressure both recentering back to the middle. And I just, it wasn't taught. It just wasn't because they didn't know. They, didn't they just know. saw what it looked like on video. Mm -hmm. But like, but kind of a point though. Know. Like, yeah, so I'm gonna use Wade as an example. Like, yeah. we you talked about technology, Wayne. <clears throat> I think one thing that's happening over the last year or two too is technology is getting cheaper for some things that you can do. So the club pro, who doesn't have a teaching facility, can go buy a launch monitor for five hundred dollars that gives you some information now right like yeah. there's the opportunity where it's like what like five years ago you had to spend twenty thousand dollars to get any information that was decent like so i think that helps guys like wade at a club where they, their range is smaller so they're not going to build a teaching building mm -hmm. and he's out there teaching his members uh or like you at highland right i mean you can take out the swing catalyst balance plate and do stuff whereas like the stuff's more poor i think that's a big part of where it's it's access and for you baden like the ability now like for people all around the world to have access to teachers or instruction from all over the world and find somebody that, that matches with them is huge yeah i mean i think it's everything's more accessible don't you don't you think luke 
Yeah, I think so. Like it does. I, f I feel like for the first time ever, and Baden, you can speak to this even better than I can. Like it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter where the teacher is like physically located, right? I think because of the internet and because of social media and because of the digitization of everything, it's really about the merit of your ideas that allows you to connect with golfers everywhere. You're really not confined to your neighborhood. And I think, you know, representing the sort of golfer at home in this conversation that's really exciting right um you're not sort of confined by the system in many ways you're confined by uh, your ideas which for an instructor's perspective must be incredibly exciting yeah absolutely and I, I think i stole this from stole this from you i saw an article you wrote on maybe medium it was a blog post All right, yeah. i think you said that you've never given a bad online lesson was that you yeah okay so so that really resonated with me because you know someone sends me and we call them you know mike and i call them uh call them eye lessons right someone sends me a video for an eye lesson you know we charge them 200 bucks for that yeah right and they expect a good golf lesson and when i have time to process that information look at it take my time with the, what i'm going to tell that student i'm not on the spot at the second to make a decision the person in front of me i've never given a bad online lesson yeah. and also to your point on that i'm able to to drip the information to the student instead of dumping it on them exactly. because in that in that time frame of that i lesson or online lesson i'm gonna say hey here's a couple things maybe one thing yeah. come back once you feel like you have it and send me another swing i mean i thought the article was beautifully written and yeah, i use it all the time so yeah thanks i really appreciate it and um you can read my stuff on golf.com every single week these days so. <laughs> uh but this is, I suppose, this is the thing that we're learning about the online thing, which we could never have um, assumed or imagined is that we think it can be a better way to learn, right? Because if you think about the current learning environment, I work in an academy and we've got seven coaches there, like barking instructions, someone walks in for a lesson, it's like, oh my God, this is so intimidating. They stand there and you've got an hour to consume everything you're getting told from that golf coach. And they also have a split second decision to make the right decision on what they're gonna do with you. So they might actually get half an hour in and be telling you the wrong thing, or they they figure it out halfway through and go, oh my God, I should have done this completely the other way around. Exactly right. But you've already started it. So, and then what, um, the student can do is that not only um, can the coach then sit back and go, okay, this is the information I'm going to give them. The student has this great sense of self-discovery about it as well, where they do it over time and they go, okay, I think I've got something here. And then they upload some more stuff. And then the, the conversation continues, which is just, it's never been the way before. That's right. All right, I'll see you in four weeks. Right, and you can use part of your package that you've booked in and they forget to come back and life gets in the way and people just don't get better as a consequence. So yeah, we think that we're hoping and we, yeah, we think we're on the way to changing that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, I was one of the, f uh, I've kind of gotten into it. I mean, I'm old school and uh, I mean, if you listen to my, if you listen, if you listen, if you listen to like the shit I listen to in music, like, you know, I'm old school, right? I mean, there hadn't been a song out since like 88 that I listened to, right? But, uh, and I, so when, and I've gotten to know Sean and Mike a, a, a good bit. Um, and I thought like, man, this online shit's crazy. Mm. Like, I, just, I mean, I really did. I was like, nobody's going, I mean, <laughs> this is, uh, exactly. right, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
they just bought a Mercedes. I'm driving a Pinto, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? And so, uh, but like, <laughs> you know, but like, it's amazing how, but I think the ability to do that better has changed mm -hmm. versus what it was when people started. I'm sure when you started Skillist mm -hmm. or, you know, from when people were starting to do online stuff, the ability to do it and do it in a quality that somebody could learn has changed a good deal too. Yeah, Tony, to that point, like I would challenge you to name me an industry that hasn't succeeded in becoming more convenient for the person at home. Right, it goes, it goes from biking outside to spin class to Peloton, right? Like this is the way the world moves, and I think digital. And so that's kind of the way that gets me really excited um, from my perspective at golf.com and Golf Magazine, right? Like we have the ability to help connect you guys with them at home in a really quick and easy and efficient and convenient way, whereas before it used to be such a burdensome process. So, um, I mean, with the best, exactly. And I think nowadays to be a I think nowadays to be a, a great teacher, you have to be way more open-minded maybe than you used to be yeah. about change yeah. and about things that are different. Like, you know, and I, I wasn't very good at it for a good period of time. And, you know, I just used to think people that didn't do things the same way as me sucked, right? Now I realize there's lots of different ways to do things and that like you have to be open to stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And you didn't because the more you go down the road of it and you start seeing people having success, I mean, I think it's you, important. You've also been good at sticking with, with what made you good also. You're not... You're also totally selling yourself short. Are you telling me when uh, when Lucas has a has a question about his golf swing, he's like, Ah, Lucas, you're gonna have to come and see me in person right now. I'm not gonna be able to. Uh, well, you, I mean, you, if it's you, after you, six o'clock, I don't like to answer my phone. <laughs> but you know, I, I think um, you know, I think technology has allowed you to get your ideas across. I mean, you have a radio show for goodness sake. I mean, you're a we have a pretty good podcast, Cordy. You're a pretty good podcast, yeah. too. So, yeah. um, so my question to you guys then. Cordy did a hell of a job selling it today. Today, by the way, too, which I think is incredibly important for me because I've upgraded from the Pinto to the Chevelle. Thanks, dude. <laughs> so one thing that Tony and I talk about, and I think all you guys who have been we don't teaching talk for that much. I know, all right, uh, that have been teaching for so long would be, I guess, what you guys are saying is the quality content is there. Um, find you guys, but do you sort of stay in your lane versus sifting through tips online that? sometimes to me are erroneous or are not good for everybody. I think there's a huge difference between what, tips online and exactly. real online coaching. Right. So how do you guys, and you too, Luke, like how do you get that golfer out of that space? Because that tip's not going to help them. It's probably going to make them worse. I mean, I saw one, I won't mention who, but there was a tip about body motion that, yeah, no, no, no. I taught Can I 30. Some initials? I, no. E. I've taught 30, e. nope, um, <laughs> golfers that absolutely, if they did that tip. Give me a hint. No, would, would, it, it's not going to work. Their bodies, no. Like, these golfers are not going to work. So Mayor what do you guys, <laughs> what do you guys say about that, especially as an, as an editor? Yeah, I mean, like, this is like the bane of my existence, right? Like, you guys are all, I'm surrounded by brilliant teachers on a daily basis who all <laughs> have different ideas about how the same thing should be done. Um, my, my job is to try to make sure Basically, I think about it in two ways, right? Like, my job is to make sure that all the ideas with merit get heard, A, and B, that 
the user at home understands like what this tip solves, if that makes sense. So if a guy with a really strong grip right, who's counteracting that strong grip by swinging really inside and is hitting these combination of blocks and hard draws. Like, inevitably, right, like, are you saying that in the pages of Golf Magazine and on the site at golf.com, I'm not supposed to ever give a shallow tip again because the guy with a strong grip who's too shallow should never read anything that says he shouldn't get, that, you know, that shallow is good? No, like, that's completely impossible to adjudicate from my perspective right what i want to make sure is that that get shallow tip is heard but also that that get shallow tip the person on the other end of it knows that like that's fixing a specific problem and that may not be your problem does that make sense one thing that i've noticed over the years and this has been great for me um I, I didn't used to get on the internet and watch a lot of stuff. I mean, 10 years ago, I just, I taught my stuff and I was committed to my stuff. And, and you know, the, the good thing about social media is it, it has made me get out there and, and watch all the stuff that everybody's doing. You guys, Sean and Mike, and what you guys Gigi, are doing. Gigi, yeah, Gigi. I mean, all these guys are out there. They're putting a bunch of stuff out, and I may not get it right off the bat because <clears throat> it might be different, <clears throat> you know, than something I learned 25 years ago. <clears throat> but, but don't think for two seconds that all our students aren't showing up on that lesson, T, and they're coming with some, you know, what's a good bit of money per hour, right? And they, and they say, well, they've seen the same videos too, and they want to talk about it. So you better, you better be able to know what's going on out there. And you, <clears throat> I mean, whether it's, whether it's texting Gigi or, or calling you guys or whatever, you, you know, hey, if you have a question, reach out. I, I've done that. And, and Tony and I talk all the time. I mean, <clears throat> we, 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 we talk all the time about what, what you're learning, what I'm learning. And I'm, you know, we're always trying to get better at what we do, but <clears throat> don't think for a second that our students aren't doing the same thing. And <clears throat> it's our place to be able to put that in perspective for them, because that's what they're paying us for. They're paying us to learn how to play golf. They're paying us to learn how to swing at the golf ball better. They, they want everything, and they're paying a good amount of money for it. So it's our place to be able to put their program together, make it make sense for them, you know, maybe maybe Gigi doesn't work for, you know, player A, but maybe Sean does and maybe Mike doesn't, you know, but we, we need to be able to help them and we need to be able to move them forward and so we can keep people playing the game, you know. So I, I think the I think social media has been fantastic for that because it's challenged me to get out there and get in the middle of it, you know, and that was something that early on I was like, I don't know about all that, you know, I don't even know how to do it, right? You know, I used to teach with you know, dry erase markers on the TV screen, right? Now it's not that way anymore. That's not the way it goes. So, you know, that's my two cents for whatever that's worth. But the bad part. You're growing up the, there, dude. Hmm? Man, it's, it's been so there nice. To, it's been so nice <laughs> to watch you grow. <laughs> we here. So, but like, that's good. That's the good part. The bad part I don't like about social media is. is where the teachers don't sit and discuss. Like, there's been plenty of times I've called Sean and asked a question, yeah. and I may have agreed or disagreed and I listen or whatever, but like the shit that goes on where everybody bashes everybody yeah. Yeah. and tells you that if you don't teach the same way or you don't teach the thing, I think is crazy. And I ha I'll be honest, I haven't, I'm going on skill as soon as I get off this damn thing. After I have this last seventh vodka, I'm getting on skillist and I'm, 
a hundred percent for sure are going to research this. So, but like, I mean, it's crazy how teachers seem, you know, it's like, like they can't sit and exchange ideas mm. and just talk like this. And I say, you know, I teach a bunch of pivot and I like a club that's kind of on plane, a face pretty square. I like good. lag. You know, I mean, I think, you, you know, I, I think you can't have too much lag, too big a dick or too much money. Right. So, I mean, I believe in that. Those are the three things I live by. Right. I live by that. You can't have too much lag, too big a dick, too much money. Wrap this up. Cordy, everybody, Debbie, Sean, Wade, awesome. Luke, thanks so much. I mean, you, I know you got tons of stuff going on. Um, Baden, I really do want to learn more about your stuff and maybe if uh, before you go to Australia or I don't know if they have technology over there, we can do we something do. by we phone. We have telephones. Uh, <laughs> we can do some podcast. Yeah. And, and Sean and Mike also for like all the stuff over the years, like I appreciate everything they do. They support the podcast. They support us. And Wayne, just thanks for hanging out with me still because uh, I'm embarrassing at times. Debbie. Yo. Thanks for taking over this podcast. <laughs> Hope that uh, hemp oil. hope the hemp oil helps you, um, Doc. You're the, best. you're the best. Thanks for always kind of being an enlightening piece. Wade, the Ocho. All right, we're out. Thank you, Cap. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. so much for listening to this episode of the tour coach with tony ruggiero if you enjoyed this make sure to hit subscribe apple podcast spotify wherever you are listening to this podcast you can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level make sure to subscribe and stay tuned if you want to learn more about tony head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you listen, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to see me, listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers. Uh, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to thank, give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors. Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dewsweepersgolf.com, or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dewsweeper. Sweeper.